Well, good evening for those of you who have joined us online. Um, I'll say to you and I, I'll say to those that are watching online, in the last several weeks, it's just been amazing to find out some of the people that are watching us uh, found out this past Sunday, I think it was, that some friends in Costa Rica were watching us. Uh, I found out a week before last, I think, that uh, my translator in the 80s when I went to Brazil I know her name, but I'm not going to say it online, that she's been watching online. So if you're watching, I'm glad that you tuned in tonight. Um, my college roommate, uh, he and his wife have been watching. And so it's just amazing to find out how people are on the other side of that camera, and they're, they're watching, and they're learning, and they're following, opening God's Word. Uh, so I just say that to you. It's like I'm so grateful that you guys are here week after week but also grateful for those of you who tune in wherever you may be watching. So, we've been off on Wednesday nights, and uh, now we're back. Uh, and so, tonight and next Wednesday night, we're going to do a study, just a short two-week study, about how God helps us in our weaknesses. We're all weak people. Would you agree with that? Physically weak sometimes. Definitely spiritually weak perhaps emotionally weak at times. Sometimes we're just physically weak, just drained emotionally and physically and spiritually, just absolutely drained. And what I want to talk about tonight and next Wednesday night is one passage of Scripture, just two verses we're going to deal with tonight and next week that talks about God's help and our weakness. I like the story of Max Licato. He tells of, boarding an airplane, and the passenger in the next seat to him, uh, when Max sat down, it was a, a young man, and he said, good, I'm glad that you're sitting next to me, because sometimes I throw up. And that was the introduction. Before Locato could say anything, the passenger said, I'm Billy Jack, I'm 14, and I'm going home to see my daddy. Locato said, he said, I tried to say something to him and tell him my name. And he said, but before I could, Billy Jack said, I need someone to look after me because I get confused a lot. So Billy Jack sat there and told Max Licato his life story. And he told him about the special school that he went to, about the medications that he takes. Uh, his favorite movies are Little Mermaid and Aladdin and The Lion King. And Max Licato realized that Billy Jack was a little boy in a big body. When the flight attendant would pass by, he would always stop her and remind her, remind the flight attendant, don't forget to look after me. <laughs> and when they brought the food, he would remind her again, don't forget to look after me. And when they brought more drinks, don't forget to look after me. Billy Jack wasn't ashamed to admit that he needed help. He wasn't ashamed to admit that he needed attention. Max Licato, <laughs> this was the funniest part for me, Max Licato said the rest of us never thought to ask for help. We're sophisticated and seasoned travelers and self-reliant. He said, we didn't listen to the emergency landing instructions. He said, but Billy Jack wanted me to explain them to him. Licato then concluded the story by saying, Billy Jack knew what it was like to place himself totally in the care of someone else. Billy Jack knew what it was like to place himself totally in the care 
of someone else. And as I read that story from Max Licato, I realized a lot of us have not learned that lesson yet. Perhaps the place we need to learn it the most is in the area of our prayer life. As I read the Bible, it seems to me that the writers stress over and over again that prayer is both a gift and a privilege. Would you agree with that? Is that a pretty accurate assessment? That prayer, that you can go, as, as I quoted a moment ago when we were praying, that come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Prayer is a gift and prayer is a privilege. And yet, there are times when prayer can almost feel impossible. There are moments in life for all of us when we can hardly pray at all. Have you ever had one of those times when you bowed your head and you tried to pray but no words would come out? I have. So overcome with grief, so overcome with anxiety, or so overcome with sadness, so overcome with fatigue, or whatever it may be. Have you ever had those times where you're in a desperate situation and you bow your head and you try to pray, but there's just no words that are coming out? You sit there alone and confused, and exhausted, and maybe frightened, and maybe the only thing you can say is, Oh God. Oh God. Here's an important lesson for us to remember. The more something means to you, the harder it is to pray for it. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. The more something means to you, the harder it is to pray for it. Now, the reason we can pray so easily for others is that we're not deeply invested in them. Right? I mean, for example, it's relatively easy for us to pray for our GO partners in Southeast Asia and in Boston and Kenya and Nashville and Charleston. Uh, We love those people. And we want to do what we can for them. And it's relatively easy. I've never really struggled to pray for them. It's relatively easy to pray for them. And to even pray for the people in their communities. I've prayed, for example, for the people in Charlestown. Uh, But you realize, and I realize, I don't know many of those people. I haven't met very many of them. And so, I don't have a real personal investment in them. Therefore, listen, it is easier to pray for them. Let me give you an illustration and try to drive this point home. Uh, Yesterday, I don't know if you saw the news or if you perhaps were on Interstate 85, but yesterday there was an awful, fiery wreck southbound lane of Interstate 85. The southbound lanes were completely shut down and the driver of an 18-wheeler was tragically killed. I don't know all the details of what happened. All I know is I saw a picture of this charred truck, the remnants of this charred truck, Almost hard to recognize it as an 18-wheeler. And when I saw that picture, I paused and I prayed for his family. I try to do that from time to time. When I see something like that, whether I'm driving on down the road or if I read something or see something on the television, I try to pause and pray for that family, for the people involved. But can I be really honest with you? I didn't pray with fervency like I would have if it had been my family involved in that. Does that make sense? 
I mean, I prayed for that family. I was heartsick for that family. But if that had been my son driving that truck, I would have prayed a whole lot differently, wouldn't I? The more something means to you, the harder it is to pray for it. The more you care, sometimes the harder it is to pray. You see, when it comes to people in your life who really matter to you personally, your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, those things, those people who really truly matter personally to you, when you're praying for them, the, that can be the times when it's the hardest to pray. And it's precisely at that point where our text becomes so crucial. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, where tonight and Lord willing, next Wednesday night, we're going to look at this chapter specifically at verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. When we can't pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight and next Wednesday night. When we can't pray, the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays for us. But what does that even mean? So here's what we're going to try to learn tonight. When we can't find the words... The Holy Spirit speaks to the Father with groans that can't be put into words. And when we aren't sure how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us in accordance with God's will. I want you to hear those two things again because if you're taking notes, I want you to write those down. Those watching online, I want you to write this down because it's a summary of what we're going to be studying tonight and Lord willing next week. Two things. When we can't find the words... The Holy Spirit speaks to the Father with groans that cannot be put into words. Times of crisis. Times of heartache. When we can't find the words, the Holy Spirit speaks to the Father with groans that can't be put into words. Number two, when we aren't sure how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. By the way, the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of God. Sometimes you and I may not. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Sometimes we may pray earnestly and not be praying in the will of God. It is sometimes hard for us to discern and to know the will of God in certain situations. And when we're not sure how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. So, I want to read Romans 8.26 Again, 
I'm going to read it in the NIV one more time. Then I'm going to read it in a couple of other translations. Just to kind of lay the foundation. Give you a, a taste of what this verse is saying. And then we're going to dig in. So here's what it says one more time in the NIV. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now hear that that same verse in the New American Standard. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I like that phrase. With groanings too deep for words. And then the message translation translates it this way. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. And if we don't know how to to or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out. I'm sorry. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. So here's the first point I want you to get tonight. Again, if you're taking notes, uh, here's the first major point. Actually, the only major point we're going to be talking about tonight. And then we'll add to that next week. The, the major point I want you to understand is this. The Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. The Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. Now, there's an interesting phrase. Verse 26, at least in the NIV, begins with this phrase. In the same way. Now you don't normally start a sentence with that, right? You wouldn't start a conversation with these words in the same way. And so right right away when we look at verse 26, we realize that we're in the middle of a conversation, if you will. In the same way, it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, when you use this phrase, in the same way, talk to me for a moment. How would you describe that phrase? What is, what, how would you describe that phrase? What is it? Now, just in general, not in the Bible. But I, I should have asked that question better. In general, how, how do you use this phrase? What is that? Comparison. Comparison. For example, we could say, uh, Pastor Keith loves and adores his granddaughter Lily. And in the same way, he loves and adores his grandson Sawyer. And so there's this comparison. Lily and Sawyer. And in the same way, he loves and adores Lily in the same way he loves and adores Sawyer. We get that. It's, it's a word of comparison. But watch this. It's indicating there is a strong similarity There is a strong similarity between whatever is discussed here and whatever is discussed there. A strong similarity between those two things. So, in Romans 8.26, the question is, what is being compared in the text? And quite honestly, it's not an easy question to answer. But get your Bibles. Let's dig in and see if we can... I'm going to give you three possible comparisons here, all right? Three possible options of what is being compared with this phrase 
in the same way. The first one is this, in the same way links chapters or verses 26 and 27 with all the other references to the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. In other words, look up here for a moment. Verses 26 and 27 are being compared, if you will, to all the other references to the Holy Spirit in chapter 8. Let me give you a few examples. Open your Bibles, look in chapter 8, look at verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And so there's a reference to the Spirit of God. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. And we don't have time to read them all, but also you can add verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, and verse 16. And it may be that the author is making the comparison in the same way that the Holy Spirit of God is mentioned throughout Romans 8, in the same way the Holy Spirit of God helps us to pray in our weak points, our weak times. I think that's a legitimate comparison or a legitimate theory regarding what this phrase means in Romans 8.26. Let me give you the second one. Others argue that the connection or the comparison is with the concept of, of the word hope. The word hope. That really the comparison here is the hope that the Holy Spirit gives us. Uh, look, with me, look with me, if you will, in verses 18 and 19. I consider that our present suffering, present time, present tense, what I'm going through right now, I consider that our present suffering, sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be Revealed in us. Verse 19. The creation awaits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Now skip down to verse 24 and 25. For in this, what's that next word? In this what? Hope. In this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So there's this whole discussion about hope. And in the very next word, very next verse, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So some would argue that there's this connection, uh, that the way that the, the Spirit of God gives us hope for the future through our suffering, the Spirit of God also gives us hope in our prayers as we ask God to help us in our weaknesses. The Spirit of God encourages us in our weaknesses. That we go through suffering and we have hope because of God's work. And in the same way, we can have hope because the Spirit of God is interceding on our behalf. There's a third uh, view. 
I like both of those views actually, but there's a third view that I think perhaps makes even more sense. And it all centers on this word. Look up here for a moment. Let me erase this. It, it centers on a unique word. It is the word the word groaning. Very interesting. It will take a few moments to walk through this. I hope you have your Bibles. But in chapter 8, verse 22, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The the Bible talks about, if you take the time to to read this in detail, uh, look at verse 22. For we know... For we know that the whole creation has been, what's that next word? Groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. You see, here's the idea that, watch this, that creation that there is the groaning of creation that not only was mankind affected by the fall, but all of creation was affected by the fall. That, that all of the whole human race, yes, fell into the bondage of sin, but, but also all of creation fell into the bondage of sin in one way or another. And what I mean by that is, all of creation is summarized with death and decay. All of creation, the second law of thermodynamics, is that everything is decaying. Everything without, without exception is running down. Everything is going to die. Everything is subject to decay. And it it is the result of the fall. And Paul says all of creation is groaning. Waiting for that time to be liberated from the bondage of death and decay. But then in verse 23. We groan also as we await the completion of our adoption as God's children. Look what he says in verse 23. Not only so, that is not only creation... But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as the sons, the redemption of our bodies. So not only is there the groaning of creation, there is the groaning of mankind. Specifically, of course, those who are saved. There's this groaning from those who are saved. We've been given mortal, physical bodies, but there's coming a day when we'll be given a resurrected, glorified body. Anybody want that? Anybody ever get tired of your old, decaying body? Yeah. There are days when literally because of your body, don't you? In the morning, and you're hurting, and you're stumbling, and, and you're, you're limping. Uh, not only will there be a day when you'll, have, you'll get to lay that aside, there'll be a day when you will get a resurrected, glorified body like the Lord Jesus. And Paul says, we are groaning as God's children. We are groaning, longing for that day. 
It's interesting, our spirits have been redeemed, but our bodies are not yet redeemed. So we're groaning for, longing for the day when that happens. Um, take a moment, I was debating whether to go here, but go to the right real quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Well, let's start at verse 16. 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Right? It's true of all of us. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And here's what he says. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's what Paul is saying. As a Christian, we have a promise. Watch this. As a Christian, we have the promise that one day our groans will be turned into glory. And that's going to be an incredible thing for us to experience. And so Paul is making the case in Romans chapter 8 that creation is groaning, awaiting God to work and God to redeem and God to restore and God to renew. Creation is groaning, waiting on God to act. Mankind, those who are saved, are also groaning, waiting for God to act, waiting for God to restore, waiting for God to renew, and waiting for us to get our glorified body. And then Paul says, in the same way, in the same way, the Spirit of God also groans. This is the interesting part. That, it, that just like creation is groaning, just like those who are saved are groaning, that the Spirit of God is groaning as well. So let's look at the text a little more closely now. Here's what we find out. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with us, or intercedes for us, with groans that words cannot express. So because we see this concept, this idea of groans and groaning used about creation, used about saved mankind, and then used about the Spirit of God, I think that's what this is referring to. In the same way, in the same way, the Spirit of God is groaning for us, for God to work in our lives and God to help us. Now, look at the phrase... Uh, where it says, with words, he, he groans, with groans that words cannot express. The end of verse 26. With groans that words cannot express. A lot's been written about that, like what does that mean? There's two possibilities. It means either words that are unspoken, that he groans with words that are unspoken, or number two, that he groans with words that cannot be expressed in human language. That's the one I kind of lean towards. That the Spirit of God, when He's praying for you, groans with words that cannot be expressed in human language. Now, let's be honest. There are many occasions where you do know how to pray, right? It's obvious. And there, there are occasions where you seek or you ask and you seek and you knock because it's obvious what you need to pray for. It's obvious what to pray for. There are times when it's easy to pray. But that's not what this text is talking about. 
This text is talking about those times when you do not know how to pray or you may not be physically able to pray. We know something is wrong, but somehow we don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to even ask God to fix it. Or maybe we're so overcome with emotion or so overcome with heartache that we can't form the words to offer that prayer to God. And the Bible says it is at that point, it is at that time that the Holy Spirit of God begins to intercede on your behalf. That is an amazing thought. That's why we're going to take two weeks to to dig into this. And Paul described it this way. He said, the the Spirit helps us in our what, church? The Spirit helps us in our infirmities. What's the other word? Weakness. Don't ever get the idea that you always have to be strong and have it all together. Don't ever get the idea that you're a poor Christian if you don't know how to pray because you're so overcome by by emotion. No, the Word of God says there will actually be those times when you'll be so overcome by the problems of life that you won't even be able to form the words to say a prayer to God. But God says, but in those times, the Spirit of God cares about you so deeply that the Spirit of God will pray on your behalf. I want to call one thing to your attention and then we're going to close it down for for the night. I want you to look at verse 26 and I want you to see the word helps. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The word helps there is a rich word in the Greek language. It carries the idea of, of helping, coming alongside somebody and helping them carry something heavy. Let me say that one more time. It's the Greek word that has the idea of coming alongside or beside somebody and helping them lift or carry something that's heavy. I was at Lowe's sometime back. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I was at Lowe's and I was walking across the parking lot and there was a man there trying to load something in his truck by himself. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something big and something heavy. It might have been an appliance or something. I honestly don't remember what it was, but he was straining and struggling trying to get it in his truck. And I ran over to him and said, here, let me help you with that. And I, I got beside him and together we picked it up. And that's exactly the work of the Holy Spirit. In those times when you don't know what to say or how to say it and you're so overcome and, and, and you're so desperate and all you can say is, oh, or God, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, here, let me help you with that. And He helps lift the load that you can't handle. Because there are some times when we are indeed weak. So, Let me pause there. We're going to finish next week. There's so much. This text is so rich. We barely scratched the surface. Uh, But I hope you'll be back. But that word weakness refers to those moments in life when we're physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually depleted. And in those times, when you don't have what it takes, God does. God does. And the Spirit of God, our paraclete, one, the one called alongside to help us, the Spirit of God comes to do for us 
what we can't even do for ourselves. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we are grateful that we can come to you in prayer. And lots of times we know exactly how to pray. Lots of times we know exactly what we need to talk to you about and we ask and we seek and we knock. And it is a privilege to have that opportunity. But then there are some times, Lord, that we are so overcome with a burden so consumed with a crisis the words won't even come out of our mouth thank you for showing us again that in our most desperate times your spirit steps in to intercede and pray on our behalf May you comfort and amaze us with that thought this week. And I pray that in the strong name of Jesus.